No one ever steps into the same river twice. This saying, attributed to the ancient Greek philosopher Heraclitus, seems at first ridiculous and untrue. And yet, it touches upon a deep truth that binds all of our lives. After all, the river we swim in today will still be waiting for us tomorrow. But something's changed. The water we bathed in yesterday has moved on and has been followed by new waters. This simple metaphor conveys an early recognition of the value and the consequences of time and the change it demands. As you consider this perplexing aphorism, consider also the even more perplexing gospel story in which we wrestle with the role of our history, our present, and our future. In Mark's account of the Transfiguration, those figures that the early Jewish readers would have associated with their honored historical past appear in a place of reverence with Jesus. There is Moses, the giver of the law, Elijah, a representative of the prophets, Yet it is only Jesus whose clothes were described as dazzling white, beyond what any bleach on earth could produce. It is Jesus who transfigures himself before the disciples. It is Jesus who reveals his divine character. It is also Jesus whom a voice from heaven identifies as the Son of God, before ordering the disciples to listen to him. Finally, it is Jesus who stands with his disciples at the end. We see in this gospel story that the historical foundations laid by the law and the prophets are understood. And when they are understood, properly they are honored. When they are honored, it is by following the call of Jesus who can be understood to be their fulfillment. Listen to him. But what has this to do with us? Where are we in this story? What is this call? What I'm really asking you is, who are we to God, and what has that disembodied voice called us to do? Before we can find answers to these questions about our calling and our mission, we must ask an even more basic question. Who do we think God has created us to be? This is a question for which the Hebrew scriptures have an answer. First, what does it mean that we were made in the image and likeness of God? The Hebrew creation story, which appears in the very first chapter of Genesis, tells us this much about ourselves. We are told that God said, let us make humankind in our image, after our likeness. But what does this mean? One observation is immediately apparent. We are not told that we humans were made God. But we were made in the image of God. The story was 
first told long before a Christian understanding of the Trinity. It predates the idea of God's existence as three distinct persons who at the same time are in relationship with and in unity with each other. And yet it clearly depicts a God of relationship. God desires relationship with the humans he created. And humans have been given the capacity to desire a proper relationship with God. The subsequent text speaks of their dominion over many things, but also a prohibition. From this account of creation, we learn the opening of a story about godlike created beings, bounded by limits, seeking relationship with their creator, and with whom God seeks relationship. Our lives are bound by a limit of space. If we are here, we cannot be there. We're not omnipresent. Also built into our existence is a limit of time. Limits are often depicted as curses, and yet, because of these limits, we can think of ourselves in the context of a defined purpose, a mission. In this sense, we are always on the way. We are never fully arrived. We are always developing and moving toward a more perfect union with God and with each other. Perhaps these limits provide us with a definition and meaning we couldn't find any other way. Perhaps our limits are blessings. In Mark's gospel, the encounter ends when Peter, misunderstanding what he'd seen, proposes the construction of some temporary dwellings to Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. The text tells us that he spoke from fear, from his experience within the concrete and the tangible, from his own limits. Peter wanted to respond to this event according to his tradition. To return to our metaphor, he wanted to keep the same river in which he believed his people had always bathed so that they could return to it again and again. But yesterday's waters had already flowed past and something new had appeared. He did not fully appreciate the revolution which stood before him. He was not ready, nor would anyone else be ready. For this reason, Jesus instructed them, tell no one. Their conception of the coming kingdom of heaven was still developing. They were still on their way. And the words still echo. Listen to him. What does it mean to be made in the image and likeness of God? How do we answer the call to which we are instructed to listen? Although we are limited, we can evolve. We can learn to love our neighbors. We can learn to love God. We can seek unity with God and with each other. This is both vocation and journey. In this way, our limits, time and space, need not be curses.
but landmarks which define us as pilgrims in a state of change. They can define our vocation and our journey through a changing landscape. No one steps into the same river twice, for it is not the same river, and they are not the same person. <laughs>